What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English, joined by my co-host today, Zach Hamill, for another NBA podcast episode. How are we doing today, Zach? Good, man. We're back to the season already. Ready to go. I know. It was crazy. I got home from work late last night, and I was getting updates on my phone, you know, seeing John Wall first basket as a rocket. A lot of crazy stuff. Yeah, watching John Wall and Boogie Cousins back together like I'm 20 years old. (laughs) Really? Um, So today we're going to go through our East and West top eight who we think are going to make the playoffs start the season. We'll go into our top ten small forwards. And then we're going to give our preseason MVP, Rookie of the Year, all those types of picks. Um, So let's start with the West, because I think the West is pretty intriguing this year. Um, Let's just have you go 8-1. to I'll do my 8-1, to and then we can kind of discuss, because I think it would take a bit long if we went one by one. Okay, yeah, I agree on the format. Um, I just – there's so much of this is going to be – uh, health and, and COVID stuff, right? So I tried to factor in who's deep, who's going to be have fresh legs, and um, like I think the Lakers will rest more than usual and not really chase the one seed like they did last year, for example. We can get into it, but I really tried hard to um, just take in like continuity as a factor, like who's bringing back the same five and all that stuff, because I think it will matter a lot rather than having to integrate new pieces. So at eight. I have Golden State, seven, I have Phoenix, six, I have Dallas, five, I have Portland, four, I have Utah, three, I have the Lakers, two, I have the Clippers, and one, I have Denver Nuggets. Okay. I'm pretty much – we have some similarities in our lists, actually. Um, so, I have the Warriors at eight as well. I have Blazers, seven, Suns, six. Jazz five. I have Dallas at four, the Lakers at three, Clippers at two, and the Nuggets at one as well. Okay, so we're one, two, three the same. Yeah, and uh, like I like you said, I kind of agree that especially a team like the Lakers, and I think Miami's kind of the same way in the East, maybe not so much to a certain extent, but the teams that made it really far in the playoffs, I think you're going to see might rest some guys. Yeah, More LeBron said so pretty much. LeBron's already came out and pretty much said he's going to take it slow. Yeah. And, you know, even though Denver made it pretty far, I think that's just a team that's super young. So them making it that run, I don't think is going to affect them as much. And, and, I, and I, think I think that's that, a team that them, wants to get a one seed. Sorry, I, I couldn't mean to cut you off. I, I think with Denver, um, running back to the same starting five, I think is really important because not a lot of teams are doing it. Um, and I think it'll just be able – they'll be able to roll the ball and play to an extent. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think Michael Porter going into another year is going to be big for them. I know they lose Grant, but, you know, they picked up some other players that could kind of replace his role in different ways. Um, I think the Clippers definitely have a point to prove because of how they ended their season. Yep. But, um, yeah, I think the bottom half is going to be interesting. I'm actually glad we both – left the Rockets off of ours because I think the Rockets are talented. But the big question for them, like you said, is with Wall and Cousins, it's all about health. We haven't really seen either of them play in a few years. Harden clearly isn't happy there. I mean, John Wall, Westbrook, flip-flop. 
Um, you know, that trade is kind of weird for both teams. I think it was more of just a refreshed start, but who knows what's going on with Harden. And then we kind of talked about it, I think, a few episodes ago with a team like the Grizzlies. They might take a step back just based on the fact of how good the West is. You know, Jaron Jackson's coming off of an injury. They didn't really add too many pieces in the offseason compared to the teams in front of them. So I think they might just be looking on the outside like they were last year again. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, I personally am I'm going off the assumption that Harden does not finish the year in Houston, right? Um, I think he is good enough night to night, and he's so durable. No matter what you think about him personally or whatever, he is such a good regular season player that I think he is a playoff team in his own. Like, I think it's so weird to say that Steph isn't, but I just think he's just a little bit more night to night valuable. Man, maybe now I'm going back in my head, but I do, I do think if he were to play every night, but I just think it's going to get so contentious and he's going to want out by February that I'm assuming he doesn't play in Houston. I think they're going to be a lottery team. Yeah. I don't even know if they're pick. And then another one that was tough to keep out um, for me was New Orleans. I think they're going to be better, um, but I just don't know where you put them. You got you to take somebody out, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. My first three out was Rockets, Grizzlies, Pelicans. I like the Pelicans roster. I'm interested to see how Van Gundy coaches there. They have a lot of good young talent with a mixture of veterans. Um, I agree that Harden is also going to be gone. The big thing with him, and we kind of get into this a little bit for a minute or two before we go to the East, um, you know, he keeps saying he wants to get traded. And the li- now that Woj has kind of expanded the list, the four teams that he's apparently rattled off was Miami, the Sixers, Brooklyn, I believe Milwaukee was the other team. Um, so obviously all playoff deep contenders to me, the big question mark is of those teams, who's going to be willing to give up a bunch of assets for James Harden when, you know, we're all really up in like Miami to me, like I'm not giving up hero Robinson and picks on picks to go get James Harden when you just made the finals, um, Brooklyn, like. You already have two pretty much max players. You have to give up probably Levert, Joe Harris, Dinwiddie, some other guys. I don't know what you feel on teams giving up so much to get him. I'm with you. I think Miami will have a talk about it. I think it. on one hand, I'm like, it's crazy, like you said, to to run off a young team like this and chase one year or whatever. But then I'm also like, it's hard and you do it. I don't know what I would do there. I'm sure they talk about it. My thing is, Nick, is that, He's got three years left on this deal. It's not like Anthony Davis where it's going to be a year and a half from now and he's going to say, I'm signing with L.A. anyway. Send me there. Wherever you send him, he's got to play or he's going to get fined for three years. If I – I mean, I'm, I'm, I would call the Thunder and I'd say, hey, you got a million picks, you know. <laughs> I would send him where he doesn't want to go. Um, <laughs> I just don't think he has much leverage here. And if he's going to play hardball, I think – I'd pick up the phone and call Minnesota and, and and the Thunder and Sacramento and say, hey, beat beat that Brooklyn deal that you just described because these teams can. And he's going to have to just suck it up and play. And I think he's going to be like, damn, I wish I didn't ask for a trade. I just don't know why they're not playing a little bit harder with him throwing leverage back in his face. No, and I agree. And like you said, the three years definitely helps the team acquiring him. Like I said, I think the big thing for me from my perspective is – do those teams want to give up uh, their entire future potentially to get a guy like that? Now, a team like Milwaukee, who's trying to maybe keep Giannis, 
I mean, they definitely have to throw in like DiVincenzo and a bunch of other players and picks. Well, they must they must now be like, I wish I didn't do that Drew trade yet. Oh, for sure. I didn't know want to come here. Yeah, and I think it's gonna be interesting. I feel like you said I think the Rockets need to play a little more hardball with them. Um, I think wherever he goes, I think it'll be interesting to watch that team. Um, if he goes to the East, I think it's gonna make the East West a lot more even. Um, as far as like the top half goes, but I think the West will still be a little bit stronger. But um, let's uh let's dive into the East. Um, I'll go through my eight through one first this time. So okay. at eight, I have the Hawks. Seven, I have the Pacers. Six, I have the Seventy Sixers. Five, I have Miami. Four, I have the Raptors. Three, I have the Bucks. Two, I have Brooklyn, and one, I have the Celtics. I'm sure you're probably going to have some disagreements with that. Yeah, we only have one team different, but our numbers are way more jumbled than this one. I, I have Indiana at eight, um, Washington at seven, Toronto at six, Boston at five, Miami at four, Brooklyn at three, Philly at two, and Milwaukee at one. Who's the one team that we – I had Washington. Oh, you had Atlanta. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I just – We'll see. I mean, I think it'll be. I think it'll be those two teams and maybe like Chicago, right? Chasing that seed. I think we both agree Orlando's out. Yeah. Um, the Bucks are just such a machine man in the regular season that I don't see that changing, no matter how, how we feel about them come playoff time. And Giannis just always plays. Um, Brooklyn, who knows? We both had him pretty high. I'm high on Philly, but I was last year too, and I was wrong. Um, Boston, I would have higher, man. I just think Kemba missing a month is going to be big. That's the only reason I have him down. But I think. Going into the playoffs, I'll be higher on them than a five seed for sure. Yeah, um, like I said, I think like you said, pretty much all of our teams are pretty much the same. Just the, I think the East is kind of weird, like the West is. I think every year that three through six range is always just so close. Like I think every year for the West, it's always like the Jazz, the Blazers, the Mavericks, like those teams, and then like Miami, Philly, Toronto are kind of all in that mix. Even Boston last year. Um, right, the the jump from like the six and three seed is always like two games, right? And they're like you see teams like sitting guys to position themselves, like not to play Harden or whatever they do. You, like you're like you're saying in the West, like it's such a jumble in the middle, and then one and eight are like pretty determined, and then the rest of it's just a crapshoot. Yeah, and I agree with you on the Kemba point. The only reason I still have the Celtics at one is just thinking that Tatum's going to only continue to get better. Brown's going to get better. Um, obviously, Marcus Smart. Um, I like. I actually like the Tristan Thompson pickup more than others. I think that gives them more offense and defensive rebounding, which I think they kind of lacked in the playoffs against teams like Miami. Um, to go up against a guy like Bam, not saying that Tristan Thompson can really guard Bam, but at least get more boards. Um, and just no, I, I like it too. I think I think Thompson can actually move his feet pretty well. And then the other reason was I just remember seeing Boston what they did without Kyrie with a younger team. Obviously, they don't have a guy like Rozier to replace Kemba. But I just think that, you know, the big question mark, I think, in the East is definitely Brooklyn. And I don't think it's anything talent perspective. It's going to be, are they going to do what the Lakers are going to do with AD and LeBron and limit KD and Kyrie and then push in the playoffs? It'll kind of be right. a C, wait and see. Yeah, I'm totally with you. Um, like, that's why I have, I have Philly high, because I just think they're going to have fresh legs. Like, Ben didn't play in the bubble. Um Joe uh, Embiid seems says he's determined. He says it every year. But then they have like they have better wings now. They have Harris at the four instead of the three, so they're a little smaller. I think that fits better. You know, then Toronto's a team at six that I I have at six. You have at four, I think. That 
if they went off and got the two seed again, I don't think anyone would be surprised. They just did their thing, their Raptors thing, and shared the ball and played defense. And, you know, like they're just, these teams are just solid. And, and then Miami wouldn't surprise me to be one or to be six, depending on how they deal with health and all that stuff. Yeah, I completely agree. And the, I think with the Nets, too, I almost feel like KD and Kyrie need to play more games just to get like the chemistry and stuff down with the other yeah. players. And like and like we said, like those those three that Hob, hodgepodge of guys for Harden isn't enough for Harden, but it's definitely enough to be a good supporting cast around two megastars. And if if the if they do mesh well and it's they run out, you know, Kyrie, Dinwiddie, Harris, Durant, you know, Jared Allen, um, DeAndre Jordan, they have a really good seven. Um, I could see them really beating anybody. I think if they finish the year healthy, and who knows, this is a whole different podcast, but they're the scariest top end team to me in the whole in the entire Eastern Eastern Conference. Yeah, I completely agree. And um, we'll go into our top ten small forwards quick. And before we start that, so I think between small forward power forward is where we're going to have the biggest discrepancy. Um, I personally think Durant's a small forward. Um, it really depends on where you look, because some sites have him as a small forward, some of them as a power forward. You look at guys like LeBron who are listed as small forward, but they really bring up the ball so they could technically be like a point guard. It's kind of all personal opinion. I'm going to have Durant on my list. I know you said you won't, but um, that's really for a fan to decide, I guess, personally. Yeah, and you and I just have different takes on it. Like I said before on this pod, um, I just look at who you guard, and I think, and I just look at how you close games rather than when you start them, and it's just a personal preference thing, you know. If like I could see Durant spending half his game guarding LeBron and then spending half his game guarding Anthony Davis, so it really is a night to night sort of thing, but it's fun. It'll make it a little bit more. Uh, we'll, we'll match up less. I think it'll be better. Yeah. All right. So I'll let you start first. Who do you have? Actually, I guess we'll start with the normal honorable mentions. Who do you have like just outside your top ten, and then you can go right into your tenth person. Oh. um Joe Ingles was right outside. I love Joe. I think he's really underrated. Uh, Kelly Oubre is outside of mine. Um, there's one other guy that I didn't write down, but I can't think of right now. But uh, who do you got? Uh, I actually also have Oubre, Ingles, and then Andrew Wiggins. I also put there. He's very talented. Yeah, just... I, I thought about it. I thought about it, man, but I can't. Do yeah. That. Uh, and like Oubre and him being on the same team now, that kind of brings up the next, the same kind of thing as who's going to play the three, right. who's going to be the four. But I think both those guys. Right. Like Oubre, Oubre probably knocks down the clay spot, but he is a three by, by trade. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely wouldn't put Wiggins in my top 10, but I think his name deserves to kind of be thrown in the mix. I don't think, he, I obviously don't think he's a top 10 small four, but I think he does have a lot of talent. Yeah. Um, who's your number 10 then? Okay. Uh, OG Ananobi Raptors. Uh, I love him. Love watching him. He can guard anybody. He's just like a brick shithouse, you know, he, but he moves his feet really well while being thick. I think he's become a better shooter every year. Um, needs to be better putting the ball on the floor, but makes big shots. He makes a lot of catch and shoot threes and he rebounds above his, above his position and he can guard literally one through five. I just think he gets better every year. He's a great, one of those typical Raptors that gets better every year. Actually, I also have OG Adenobi at my number 10. Um, <laughs> super fun player to watch. I think he's – when I look back at when the Raptors won the title, you know, it was Kawhi and Lowry were kind of the staples of that team. And then Fred Van Vliet was kind of that unsung hero for them. And then I think yeah. last year you look at the team, I think Lowry and Van Vliet were kind of 
on and off each game. And then you had Siakam, obviously. And then Adenobi, to me, was that unsung hero for them last year. And like you said, he continues to just improve and improve. And I wouldn't be surprised if in a few years from now, he's making his way up into like the six, seven range on this list. Great defender. Definitely needs to improve his shot a little bit, but I think that's only going to get better for him. Yeah, I agree. And and he, you know, Kawhi leaves, that's a huge shoes to fill. And like you said, Van Vliet and Lowry took some of that burden on themselves, but OG stepped in and they were the exact same seed they were with Kawhi there when they were the two in the East last year. And a lot of that is just him getting better. Agreed. Who do you have at number nine? TJ Warren. Um, I think he, I mean, it's tough not to put him higher with that bubble performance, but we'll see if that lasts. Um, he, he can score on anybody. I just, the only person I think they shuts him down is Jimmy Butler because Jimmy Butler's terrifies him. But um, one of those guys that I thought was kind of done when they stole him from Phoenix, one of those trades that worked for both teams. But, um, you know, I think, I do think he's at his ceiling. That's the reason I think I have him so low. I think this is who he is, but that's okay. You know, if you can give me 25 a night, that's a great player. Yeah. And I actually have Warren at eight. Um, so we'll kind of, I'll kind of chime in here and then we'll skip when I get to him, but I agree. Um, very good offensive player. I thought that Indiana fleeced Phoenix in that deal when they originally got him, um, was a big fan of his game from NC state. Um, he's just, like you said, I don't know how much more he has to achieve. I think, like you said, it's kind he's kind of at his ceiling right now. Um, I have him one higher. Number nine was another one of those. It's kind of hard for small four power forward termination. I had Bogdanovich from the Jazz. I've always yeah, been a huge fan of his game. Um, he's he was a guy that I thought if Washington would have held on to him, they would have been a good chance to be a contender against Cleveland the following year. But they just kind of let him go for nothing after they acquired him in that trade from Brooklyn. Um, but he's just a very him and Ingles are. I don't they're similar in that like there's those weird players that you really don't think a ton about, but they're gonna give you hundred percent all game, every game, and they can just sneakily drop twenty to thirty on your head any night. Yeah, him so him and, and Ingles and guys like like Reddick, well, I know I'm saying a lot of white guys, but like when certain guys in the NBA just don't play defense, it really bugs me because the three guys I just named, especially Ingles and Bogdanovich aren't fast, they aren't quick side to side, but they stay in front of you and they know how to rotate. It makes me think that it's really just an effort thing. And like you said, those guys bust their ass. And, you know, they'll put Bogdanovich on LeBron and they'll put Ingles on point guards and they'll be confident with it because they, they're just smart uh, team players. And they're both, can, they're both great on offense. Bogdanovich is a uh, knockdown shooter. Yeah, 100%. And then I had Warren for my number eight. So who's your number eight? It was him. It was Bogdanovich. Okay. Gotcha. All right, so we just flip-flopped those two. Not a huge difference. Um, number seven for me, I had Chris Middleton. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this is where it kind of gets tough because I think I think this is where having Duran on my list might change a little bit of things for um, right. my list compared to yours, um, just with the guys above him. Middleton, to me, very solid. I think he's a good number two to three option for a championship team. I just think last year, especially in the playoffs when Giannis went down, I know it's a lot for Middleton to have to step up and fill like a role like that, which I don't think he can. Um, I just expected a little bit more from him. I thought he shot very poorly in the Miami series and didn't really give Milwaukee more of a chance against a team like Miami than I thought they would. Um, 
I think didn't he have didn't he have like thirty five in the game they won? I think he did. I just don't think he shot particularly. I think he put up a ton of shots and it was like a bad I, shooting I, I, I percentage. But um, yeah. I mean, I like him as a player. He's kind of like worn a little bit to me in the fact that I don't know how much higher his ceiling is going to be. I think he's a very solid player right now. I think he might have another tiny bit more tier he can reach, but um, you know, I just think, like I said, I think he's just a solid number two, three option on a championship team. Um, not much more than that personally. Okay. I, I have him higher. Yeah. He's on my list. Um, my seven is Gordon Hayward. Uh, just really, just doesn't have any flaws except for health, you know? Um, I actually think – I don't think they're a playoff team, but I'm excited to watch Charlotte a little bit. Um, when he was healthy down the stretch before the season got postponed last year, he was awesome. It's one of those things where he, if you look at – if you look at the stats that you want to look at, right, you know you can frame everybody differently. But Hayward's really good. Um, consistent, great passer, good defender, rebounds, um, shoots it efficiently from all spots on the floor, just can't stay on the court. And – um, I just think, like, I was going to run best you. Maybe the next podcast we look at, like, the Vegas win totals for teams to think of who maybe three or four that we think are going to go higher and lower. I think Charlotte's higher for me. Um, I like to have a good coach, and I think I'm excited to watch him lead a team because I think he will have flashes of being that Utah Gordon Hayward again. Yeah, I like Hayward a lot. I actually didn't put him on my list, and the only reason was, A, honestly, I don't know what it is. I've just never been a huge fan of him, and his health just really concerns me. And I just haven't seen the same type of player since he left Utah. And I think part of that is because when he was on the Celtics, he was kind of a fourth option. And maybe just because I haven't seen him, you know, play as – like I can definitely – I 100% agree with you that he was efficient when he was playing. And he was – you know, I think people don't look at the stats as deep as they should for him. Um, I just think when I look higher on my list and I think also with the power forward, small forward thing is affects it. Because if I didn't have Durant on here, Hayward would definitely be on my list. Um, and I might have. Yeah, I think, I think that he, um, like I remember when Miami was really screwing up Boston with that zone, and he came back. Boston took that game, I think, because he just kind of slowed the game down and made the right pass. It wasn't like a Rondo pass, wasn't perfect, but he's always just really good at um, kind of like probing the defense. He, he, I don't know, he's just, I, I just like his game a lot. Um. Number six for me, I have Brandon Ingram. Um, most improved, yeah, me too. Most improved player, I think he actually surprised me a lot when he first came out of college. His first year, um, with the Lakers, I wasn't too impressed by him. Um, but year after year, he's definitely continued to improve. I think he's found a good spot, um, in New Orleans. I think him and Zion's a good combination. I think Van Gundy's actually going to get a little more out of him defensively. And I think he's going to continue to be kind of him and Zion are going to be the centerpieces for that team. But I've definitely slowly started to like his game more and more. Yeah, I have him six too. Um, his shooting numbers, I you know, you watch the Pelicans and he, they always lose and they're always losing close. So I think that's just a young team thing, but he's, it's, it seems like he shoots more than he does. Cause then his stat line is always like really good. It's like, you know, 15 for 22 and he's been making he's making three out of six threes and his efficiency just surprised me i didn't think he had that in him um if, if stan can get him to guard i think he'll rise even higher on this list i just think i after those first few lakers years and i mean he was 19 
but I just I didn't think he'd even get to this point, and I think he can actually grow to get even better. Yeah, and it's actually kind of crazy to think about how if you looked back, and this is the big thing with coaching too. Um, if you, if the Lakers would have just you know kept some of these pieces, and obviously maybe they don't get Anthony Davis because they trade away all these players for him, but imagine if you know D'Lo doesn't have the off the court stuff with Nick Young and you know, he's more mature, and then Brendan Ingram develops, and then you still ended up getting LeBron. You're talking about a team with D'Angelo Russell, LeBron James, and, or, and Brendan Ingram, which is, like, kind of weird. Yeah, to you're, think probably, about you're probably seeing D'Lo on the Pelicans and Ingram still on the Lakers, you know, because that's, that's to be the piece. You know, it'd be some sort of weird thing like that where D'Lo is, is the bigger piece that, that New Orleans wants in that trade, and Ingram and LeBron are still together. A hundred percent agree, and I remember the big thing for a while was if – the Lakers would have selected De'Aaron Fox instead of Lonzo Ball. Would they have been willing to part with Fox in that deal? Or they would have, I assume, my assumption would have been they would have definitely tried to move Kuzma and tried to keep Fox. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, So top five now. It's very hard for me to have this player at number five because I really like him, but there's just no way I can put him higher, and it's Jimmy Butler. Okay. Um, I think this finals and just this season with Miami proved a lot of people wrong just about Jimmy Butler. The whole perception that he is a shitty teammate, that he's not a clutch player. You can't win with Jimmy Butler. Um, I think he pretty much told everyone to shut the hell up. He came through in every moment Miami needed him. You know, you lose Bam and Dragic in game one you still manage to take two games off the Lakers who are definitely way better than you. And he's just not afraid of anyone. And like you said with TJ Warren, like TJ Warren is feared full of Jimmy Butler. Like he will not back down from anybody and he just doesn't care who he's facing. He thinks they're going to win. And I think Miami's just the perfect fit for him. So, yeah, I have him at three, but I'll just basically mirror everything you just said. Um, I think the guy's, I think the two guys I have under him um, maybe get more night-to-night scoring and they have more top-end top end stuff. But that game five last year, man, when he went toe-to-toe with LeBron, I was just – I don't. I think there are five guys in the league that can do that. And he didn't shoot, he didn't shoot any threes. He got to his spot whenever he wanted to, finished, guarded, rebounded, passed. Um, I just – that performance, like you said, stunned me. I just was like – because his hit reputation from Minnesota and Philly wasn't great. And it doesn't take much to flip a narrative, but he went way past flipping a narrative. And I just couldn't believe how good he was in that game five and in the series as a whole. Yeah, he's just a special player. I'm glad he's on Miami. I think he just fits like everyone on Miami, especially just from Pat Riley to Spolster down, is like, you're going to work, you're going to win. We're better than everyone, regardless of what anyone says. And I think in Philly, in Minnesota, he just didn't really know his place. There was just other – like, Philadelphia, you had him, Simmons, and Embiid, like, which to me is a championship team. And if that Kawhi shot doesn't go in, who knows? Maybe Philadelphia goes on and wins it. Like, we don't know. But right. um, I just think he just needed to find the right place for him from a mental basketball standpoint. Um, four? I, 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 have middle, I have Middleton there. I didn't know if I said that yet. At five? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
do you have anything else to add on him or we kind of are no okay no i think everyone knows he's the most boring superstar ever you yeah know? Not, i wouldn't even say superstar but he's the two-time all-star now which i can't don't think you can ignore just really long um just guards really well you know he's just one of those guys that just because he's not fast and can't jump his ceiling is a little lower but just flawless player that anyone would want on their team i have tatum at four me too. Okay, so we're we're pretty much gonna have Jimmy, and I'm assuming your number three or my three and your three probably uh, different because of KD and everything. But yeah, Tatum, there's not like dude's a superstar. I think he has potential to win an MVP in the next few years. Um, continu- continuously is getting better shooting, good defender. I think he developed himself even with Kemba there. I think Tatum's clearly the number one option um and i think the moment i knew jason tatum was going to be a superstar was eastern conference finals i want to say it was game six or i think it might have been even might have been game seven he just dunked on lebron's head as a rookie and then like had the audacity to like walk up and like chest bump into him (laughs) and i was like i think it was game seven because it was definitely in boston yeah um, so when I saw him do that, I was like, okay, this kid's got balls. This kid's going to be good. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. I remember when it was the Fultz draft and everyone, you know, everyone that knows what they're talking about was like all year. Remember that entire year it was like Fultz was going one. Yeah. It's no contest. I remember watching the kid at Duke and he just had like the post-up turnarounds, the, the touch, like these NBA ready moves that no one really has anymore. Cause college basketball is different, which is a whole nother conversation. But I was just like, you know, I don't understand why this isn't more of a thing. And then he didn't even go two. You know, he went three, and Boston gets an extra pick out of it, flips their pick back to three, and gets him. And he's just been off to the races. He gets better and better every year. He's long, freak athlete. He, and, like, they are such a good team-defending team, um, and he's, he's a big part of it. I just – yeah, his, the sky's the limit for him. And then you had Jimmy at three. Um, that's where I have Kawhi. Um, and I think this is where Durant kind of plays a factor for my list. Um, Kawhi, obviously, and I'll eat my words on this. Like all my friends used to give me so much crap about it. And I was completely, completely blatantly wrong. And probably my worst NBA take of all time. Um, I used to say Kawhi, the first year he went to Toronto, I said Kawhi Leonard was not a top 10 player. Blatantly (laughs) wrong. Tough. (laughs) Will definitely eat my words on. The only reason I said that is almost kind of like the NFL Brady Belichick thing where I wanted to see him away from Popovich to see if he was going to be like that dude because he had Duncan and Tony Parker and Ginobili and all these great players around him to kind of groom him up and then the greatest coach of all time in Popovich. So I was kind of just skeptical, but he made me eat my words in a second. Um, Dude's a beast, one of the best defenders NBA. Um, If – they would have beat the Lakers and won the finals. He'd probably be higher, but I just can't ignore him choking in game seven and really just not showing up against the Nuggets to have him any higher. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said. And I'm, and I'm glad that you and I are on the same page with them this year because I just think they're going to come out with their heads on fire ready to kill everybody. Um, surprise, they agree up Paul George, but I guess you have to. Um, he uh, – He's just he, – he, he can do it all. He's got the biggest hands I've ever seen in my life. Um, but he's just – like you said, I, leaving the Spurs, I didn't think he'd get better, and he's gotten better every single year. 
Yeah, I was a little uh, interested with the Paul George deal. I think actually the Clippers made the right move, though, because if both those guys ended up walking, we kind of touched on it before, you basically just gave away all these picks for nothing. So I think Paul George also just had a point to prove, and he wants to, you know, he just literally last week said he wants to be a Clipper for life, and everyone was kind of saying, okay, we'll believe, and then he signs that deal. So um, we'll see with him. Um, So one and two, very tough. LeBron – I think we're both in agreement. LeBron's one. Um, Durant's my number two, just because the last time I saw him play, I thought he was the best player in the world, even over LeBron, which I don't think is completely fair to LeBron because he was injured and they didn't make the playoffs and everything. Um, and I think this year is going to be really telling if those two somehow meet in the finals. I would love to see it because this is probably the most even matchup they could have, I think. Because, you know, LeBron faces Durant in the finals the first time with Miami. Miami is clearly a superior team with Dwayne Wade and Botch. I mean, they had Westbrook and Harden, but a lot younger, not really ready for the moment. Then you have LeBron and KD meeting a few more times, but it's obviously the jacked-up Warriors with Steph and Clay, And, you know, they just blow the Cavs out of the water with LeBron. Where now, if they meet, you have LeBron versus KD with the Kyrie drama going on. And now LeBron's got a new Robin and you know, Anthony Davis. Um, KD just does it all, though, man. He's going to go down as one of the best all time. He has a legit shot at being one of the top scorers in NBA history. He just has a handle. Dude's almost – he looks like he's like 7-1 and just can do everything on the court. But I can't put him ahead of LeBron based on what he's done recently and obviously the injury. Yeah, I think he's he's still probably going to finish top five in scoring ever, and he missed an entire season and some. Um, he's just – what he does at seven feet, I, I've never seen before. Like, I remember people were like – with Dirk Nowitzki, they were like, wow, this is crazy. It's like, and give him side-to-side quickness, uh, jumping ability, and a handle. <laughs> you know, you know? Yeah. It's like, what you, this guy's made in a lab somewhere. And then I'm assuming – obviously, you didn't see it. You didn't have KD on yours, so I'm thinking Kawhi is probably your number two. Yep, and then LeBron is one. The only basically at the same time, but, but we switched Hayward and uh, Durant. Yep. Um, so LeBron, I mean, I think people need to all the time. It's LeBron versus Jordan. It's LeBron can't win the championship if he doesn't have superstar players around him. It's this and that. I think people just need to like sit back. And, like, appreciate, like, LeBron from the aspect of this guy never takes a game off. I don't think he's ever missed a playoff game when healthy. Other than the injury with the Lakers, I don't think he's ever really been legitimately hurt. Never quits on a play, really. Um, Just you can say what you want about him being better than Jordan or not being better than Jordan or comparing him to whoever you want. Like, he's just one of the greatest players I've ever watched play the game of basketball. Yeah, I mean, I will say off the front that he does take some games off, but that's okay because he's been playing for 20 years. And he, like you said, he gets to the finals every year. So you take, you take, leave and take some stuff, the good and the bad. He's, I didn't watch Jordan Night Tonight, neither did you. I remember the end of the Jordan run, but, you know, all, the only things we see are the ones, the shots he made. You know, I didn't watch him lose. And, I just never get the – like, LeBron is worse for getting to the finals and losing than not getting to the finals and losing in, like, the first round like Jordan did, you know? 
Like, he's there every year. Look at what he did to Toronto and the entire Eastern Conference for 10 years. Like, it was like a boogeyman that was, like, haunting their dreams. This guy, it's like who, every finals prediction, it's like, okay, who's LeBron playing against? And it doesn't matter who stands in the way. Like, Houston last year, I saw some, like, hipster picks that were like, they actually will small ball the Lakers to death. They blew them off the court, man. Like, he is just, when he, like, he, that year that Tatum dunked on him, you know, the Boston was so much better. That, that Cleveland team sucked, but LeBron just willed them to win every series, every game seven. He's just, like you said, he's just, when he gets to another year, there's nothing, no, no one in the history of the game like it. And the one thing about the, I don't, I don't want to do a Jordan LeBron thing, but he's just so much bigger. That, that matters. It's not Jordan's fault, but it matters. Yeah. And I think the other thing, like you said, we could take a whole podcast, talk about Jordan versus LeBron. Um, different eras, different. I mean, when Jordan was playing, you could get forearmed in the face by Patrick Ewing. You blow on someone now in the NBA and you're getting called for a flagrant. The other thing, too, with, LeBron first Jordan like you kind of touched on how I'd rather get to the finals than lose in you know the first round before Jordan made those big runs like he was losing in the first round like year after year and no one really talks about it at all <laughs> yeah and the year he came back they lost to Shaq no one no they just like white from history yeah really <laughs> um no one talks about it so we're gonna do preseason picks for you know mvp rookie of the year defense player of the year coach of year and most improved i left off sixth man only because i think that's kind of something that has to be determined once the season starts because guys like harrell and dennis schroeder both are on the lakers now and they might both be starters now so it's like it's kind of hard to pick who's going to be a six man when you don't really know yet Oh. Yeah, and they, there's they have a weird thing where if you start too many games you're not qualified anymore and i think with covid there's going to be so many different teams that like patchwork their starting lineup every night that it might be the weirdest year for that that we see. Yeah, so I just completely left that off. Let's start with coach of the year. Um, I went with – I think this one might be a little bit of an oddball pick. I'm going with Monty Williams of Phoenix. Um, I think I really liked what they did last year in the bubble. Obviously – Getting Chris Paul is huge for them. I think adding a veteran like Jay Crowder is big for that team. Just a pair with Booker and Aiton. They got some good shooters on that team. Sarich coming back. Um, I think Williams is a great coach. I just think now that he has more talent around them, I think we both have him pretty – as far as like the Suns are, are concerned when they've been finishing outside of the playoffs or in the bottom half of the West and just the league in general – to us having them both in like that four to six ish range, um, I think it really says something about the team and him as a coach. I'm with you. I think he might have to. Where did you have the Suns? I had the Suns at six. Okay, I had him at seven. I think it's. I think that he's an awesome coach, and I think that they make the playoffs. The only thing that helped me back with that, and I thought about him, was that it's so narrative driven. It's always usually like a top home court seed that I think he'd have to get a little bit higher, but. That's and that's why I have Mike Malone because I think if Denver gets the one seed, it'll just be a story that people run with. It's like Budenholzer's won it a few times doing that. Um, I think uh, the Raptors coach who got fired, I don't know, the guy who's at the Pistons, uh, Casey doing Casey, yeah, yeah, he the same thing happened to him. I think George Carl got the Nuggets to two, and then it gets, I just think it's like it's kind of a lazy voting thing where you and I might sit back and say, wow, the best coaching job this year was Bonnie Williams. But I think you got to go with the top seed. That's why I'm picking Malone. 
That's fair. Um, who do you have for most improved? Okay. Um, Brandon Clark, Memphis. Okay. Um, I just think I really, really liked his rookie year. And I think even though their record might not be better, they'll be like better with their, as their star, their stars will play better. If that makes sense. Their second unit was so good last year, which I don't think will happen again, but I think if they can get a full year out of Ja Clark and uh, Jaron Jackson jr. I think those three guys are all studs. And I think Clark was already a great draft pick. Um, I just like what I saw last year. And if he can become their, like their go-to starting four, I, I would imagine they play Valanciunas off the court and it's Clark and Jaron Jackson to, at least, at least close games. And I just think his, his jumper is better than I thought. He can guard a lot of positions. He passes well. And he's a great uh, pick and roll finisher with, with Morant. I just think he's going to be more on the radar this year. All right. I like that. I'm going to go with a little bit of a home pick here. I'm going with Duncan Robinson from Miami. Um, I think, I think the narrative with him, I mean, obviously he's a sharpshooter. I think that's, all anyone thinks he can do. Obviously, in the playoffs, him and Hero just got picked apart on defense. But Duncan has, like, some size. And there's times where, like, he can pump fake and take you off the dribble. I think it's drilled in his head not to do it. But I think he's going to have, like, a bigger jump this year for Miami. And I think more people are going to notice that, like, he's a huge part of why that team's successful. And I think he's going to even take a step up in, like, points per game. And I think he actually is going to be a little bit better defensively this year. So, I was just going to ask you before you closed with that. I was like, do you really think he's going to take that big of a statistic jump? Because he scored a lot. He scored, like, what, 12 points a game last year? I'm not sure it gets much higher than that, even though I do think he will become more and more of a complete player. I think he could potentially jump from – I think he – I want to say he finished like 11.6 or like a 12.4, something around there. I think he can make a jump to like 15, 16 a game. I know that's not like a huge jump, but I think he can get up to 15, 16. Right, and I'm with you. Whereas, whereas he might – so he might start making like Olympic tryouts and like become a like a real household name. I just think that award's so driven by like guys going from like 6 to 20 points a game that – I think it's a good pick. I think he will continue to get better. I just don't know. I mean, we'll see. Maybe he ends up scoring 20 a game. That'd be crazy. If they make some sort of trade, maybe he plays a bigger role. But I just think um, the way they split up the scoring so much, I just think he's going to be one of those guys that continues to one night at 21 and the next night at six. Yeah, I think he'll be a little more consistent here. I really, It really depends on how they run their lineups. I'm interested to see who they start here because, you know, Kendrick Nunn started a ton. And then Dragic was the guy all playoffs. So I'm interested to see what they do with the lineup. But I think yeah, Robinson's going to be good. They brought Myers good. back. I'm, I wonder if they can keep running a center out there because Bam got so good that I, I don't know. Spolster is always weird. He always keeps you on your toes. Yeah, for sure. Um, defensive player of the year, I went with AD. Um, honestly, I think defensive player of the year is one of the most boring ones to talk about because I feel like it's almost the same three, four guys every year in the conversation. I feel like it's always like AD, Giannis, and Rudy Gobert. Um, I think Davis, the reason why I picked him mostly is because of how motivated I think um, the Clippers are going to be. You know, Jokic is definitely a hard matchup. Just I think the West is so much more stacked than the East with big guys to deal with, and I think Davis does a great job of it, and he kind of makes up for, you know, their lack of, I mean, like they have JaVel McGee and these other guys, but I actually they traded McGee to Cleveland, I believe. But 
Um, they just don't have a ton, a ton of depth at center. I mean, I know they got Montrez Harrell, but I just think AD is a defensive beast. So do I. Um, wouldn't surprise me at all. I have, and, and you know what, dude? I said this last year, and I got burnt, but I have Embiid, and I think they're just going to be locked in. And I think their wings might be worse defensively this year with Curry and um, Tobias and uh, whoever is like the three, whoever takes Josh Richardson's spot. But I think they're going to play so much more through Ben and Joe. And Rivers will 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 kind of focus so much stuff to the rim that Embiid will be – his block numbers will be up. And he says he's motivated. So, which he, hey, he can come in out of shape again and still be eating sweets every day, and I don't know. But when he's right and when he gives a crap, he's a menace. So I'm assuming they make a big jump in the standings, and I think that um, – and it could be Ben, too. I don't know. I thought Ben should have won it last year. But I just think if he's locked in, he's one of the best set defensive centers I've ever seen. I can get on board with that. Um, rookie of the year I think is interesting because it's a little bit of a down draft class. Um, I think the easy answer to this would be, like, LaMelo or James Wiseman. I actually went with Killian Hayes of Detroit. Um the report that I've been seeing is that they plan on starting him and have D Rose off the bench. I don't know how true that is. I know he started last night in their preseason game. And I'm assuming that at some point during the year, maybe about the trade deadline, they might move on from Derek Rose just because of age and want to help him get to like a playoff team. Cause he's late in his career. Um, I've, I watched some highlights from him on YouTube actually yesterday, which obviously highlights so me nothing, but he, obviously he played, you, we haven't seen much of him really play. So, I just think it's kind of a wild pick, and I think Rookie of the Year is kind of one of those you can go any which way unless you have, like, that stud player. And I don't know if you really have that in this draft, so I kind of went a little bit off the map and going Hayes for that reason. I love it. He was almost who I who I picked. I um, I think you got to pick a guy that's going to play a lot of minutes, right, especially this year. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good pick. I, I, that's, that's why I picked Toppin from the Knicks. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, they don't have any reason not to start him big minutes. I think RJ and him and Mitch will play the 3-4-5 all year. And I just think he might get burned on defense a lot his rookie year, but he's going to score. You know, he can shoot threes, he can rim run, he can do all that stuff. Yeah, Toppin was going to be my – I had Hayes, Toppin, and LaMelo would have been my third. Um, but, yeah, I was going back and forth between those two. I agree. I think Kevin Knox is definitely done there. I think they should just do whatever with him. I, I don't know what – I don't know if he's not good or if they just, like, didn't play him or they never saw him. I just don't really know what's up with him. Same thing with – they're obsessed with Nilakita. Don't really know why. I think he sucks. But that whole Knicks team is just weird. But I agree that they should just run Barrett, Toppin, and Robinson three through five the whole year. Mm-hmm. Um, MVP. All right. So I actually picked two, and there's a reason for it. So my my answer is Luca. I'm picking Luca to win MVP. However, if Steph Curry can get the Warriors to a six or above seed without Klay Thompson, and there's no Durant there anymore, I think he would win MVP. But I just don't see that happening. So my answer is Luka. But if Steph gets them above six, I think it's Steph. Okay. I um, I, just, I think Russ is the only one who's won it that hasn't been like a one or two seed in the last like 15 years. So I, I pick Jokic just because that's why the same reason I picked Malone. I just think if Denver's the one, it'll be because of him mostly. And people will look at that and like, when you go to like win shares and um, plus minus stuff like that, I think he'll be the reason that they're in the one spot. And I think 
I just think he gets better every year. I think he's the best center in the league, and um, I think he's awesome. Yeah, I like Jokic's game a lot. I had if I had a one through five, I had Jokic actually as my fourth. I had Luca, Steph, LeBron, Jokic, um, and then I actually put Kevin Durant at five. Um, I'm going to see what he does this year, but I love Jokic's game. I think Denver is just super fun to watch. And I think with Michael Porter Jr. only going to continue to go up, I think that team's going to be – I think that team's going to win a championship in the next, like, five, six years. Yeah, me too. I just think they keep drafting so well. They took the kid from R.J. Hampton. He might be another one that, that went too low just because he played in Australia. You know, he just um, – they keep taking these uh, gambles on guys and they keep seeming to work out. Yeah, I think Denver's just a good team, develops their players right, very depth very depth on their bench and everything so um but yeah that's gonna do it for today's episode we'll be back again in a few weeks we'll do power forwards and then we'll work in some other nba stuff i'm sure you know with the season starting up we can have some more things to talk about but we'll discuss- yeah, check out so check out some projected win totals for me and, and see maybe, maybe grab three that you think are higher and three that you think are, are too low yeah for sure